this is it's been a long time since I've done an episode, but what better way to bring it back than with Mr. Daniel Ohana? Hi guys, uh, my name is Daniel Ohana. I'm at the University of Florida. I'm majoring in horticultural science. I'm from Miami. Anything else? No, that's great. Right, yeah, that's me. What's up? All right. Before we start, I just wanted to say that me and Daniel have had lots of conversations about what's going on in Israel, as well as our experiences in the backlash of it and the way that your relationships and everything, your kind of worldview starts to change and the way that your perceptions of people start to change because of it and your relationships. Fine. There's a lot to unpack, but something that we briefly spoke about on the car ride home is something that I think is really important and isn't covered enough. And that's about moral inconsistency. It's it's a loaded topic. We're going to talk about different things like performative activism and the role of like social media and the fact that it's trendy to be to jump onto certain like social activist trains and in general we'll, we'll bring it all back to moral inconsistency but first I want to start by opening with this piece that I wrote that was not able to be published so what better way to do it than to share it here but before before I share that I want to dedicate this episode to Naomi because she's someone who I think is so strong and is someone who's constantly who we both love Porter and I'm really proud of her and this new journey that she's on and as well as everyone else who is fighting for the state of Israel and and contributing in any way whether it's outside of Israel whether it's from 5,000 miles away anyone who's contributing to the cause is contributing to the cause I I could have said it better myself this one's for Naomi love you gnomes love you gnomers okay so this piece that I wrote is called a cry for moral consistency a 12-hour road trip on a coach bus with students from five universities Six hours crammed inside a crowd of over 290,000 people chanting, crying, laughing, singing, dancing. Speeches from nationally acclaimed community leaders, celebrities, and other important political figures, and music performances from famed Jewish artists. Yet only one moment has consistently consumed my conscience. An argument erupted during one of the speeches at the March for Israel rally in Washington, D.C. on November 14, 2023. A teenager began shouting at the politician on stage, calling for him to condemn a fellow party member. Two adults argued over whether or not the teen was justified, while others joined to share how the quarrel diminished the purpose of the rally itself. The rally at the National Mall aimed to show solidarity with the people in the state of Israel, demand for the immediate and safe release of all hostages captured by Hamas, and fight against anti-Semitism worldwide. I itched in discomfort while I turned my gaze away from the dispute as it dissipated. Aren't we all here for the same purpose? If we cannot agree, how are we supposed to reason with other people, I wondered. The Israel-Hamas war, like any major conflict, has divided the world with the aid of skewed media. The media communicates information like a group of children playing broken telephone, hyper-focusing on one narrative and completely omitting another. The misrepresentation and lack of representation in the media of first-hand accounts intensifies the polarization of people in the general public, many who have only considered the conflict for the first time on October 7th from a westernized lens. The hatred fueling the brutal terror attacks of Hamas on innocent civilians transcended beyond Middle Eastern borders and into the rest of the world. The Anti-Defamation League, the leading anti-hate organization in the world who fights all forms of anti-Semitism, has recorded a nearly 400% increase in anti-Semitic incidents over this period compared to last year, and nearly a 1,000% increase in the daily average of violent messages targeting Jews in Israel by white extremists since October 7th. The rise in anti-Semitism has been paralleled by a rise in Islamophobia and violence against Arabs. 
The Council on American Islamic Relations, the Muslim Civil Rights and Advocacy Group, has received 774 complaints of incidents against Palestinian and Arabs since October 7th, which is triple the 2022 average number of complaints they received for a period of the same duration and was the highest level since 2015. Freedom of speech, an indispensable right of a democracy, allows people to campaign for causes and challenge others. Armed with this right should be people with brains and hearts who value it. The real danger to our society lies in the lack of understanding of our words and the dictation of socially acceptable beliefs that people parrot. Free speech is only legitimate when it is based on a moral foundation, granting human rights for all people, regardless of political stripes. The dispute at the rally elucidated the importance of dialogue with this common ethical ground, peace and safety for all. People argued because sharing a Jewish identity does not homogenize belief systems. However, like the people who halted protests in Israel against the current Israeli government as soon as the war was ignited, the rallygoers recognized what fights were worth fighting for the fight for physical security, freedom, and dignity. With that as a central focus, they could drop less significant differences of opinion. Despite the polarization between pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian groups since October 7th, certain moral truths should remain at the forefront of our minds and in our conversations. All people with a moral conscience can agree that innocent people should not be slaughtered, whether Israeli or Palestinian. Kidnapped civilians who are taken from the safety of their homes are just that civilians. Rape, sexual abuse, and intolerance of LGBTQ rights is unconscionable regardless of borders. Morality is a concept to be universally and equally applied. Advocacy should not be conditional on political identities. Condemning terrorism and hatred should not be conditional on the targets. Feeling safe in one's home should not be dependent on where one lives. Human rights should not be conditional on one's ethnicity or religion. As a Jewish scholar, Rabbi Hillel said, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? But if I am only for myself, what am I? But if not now, when? Every group should be entitled to advocate for their own safety and freedom while also honoring the same for others. Only in doing so is there a possibility that justice and peace will prevail. To maintain moral consistency when advocating for one's own identity group, it is essential to promote the same rights for safety, freedom, and dignity to others. As we continue to follow the unfolding events in the Israel-Hamas war, let us all pray that all of the Palestinian and Israeli victims of Hamas and their families find peace, safety, and healing. May they all live free of the fear of war and oppression, and may this reign of terror stop immediately and never happen again. Amen. Amen. One, as I'm reading this, I realize how I'm, I'm a very monotone reader, and I had <laughs> absolutely no emotion reading that, but... I put a lot of work into it, and the irony is that a lot of what I was writing was about free speech, and this was not passed for publishing. So that was just a, that's just like a cute little factoid. It is cute little factoid. Is this the original one that you wrote? No, this is this is the one that was was passed for final editing. Final editing. It was passed for final editing, and it wasn't published. But the one that was, I, I'm I'm kind of happy with this version just because I think it's more unbiased versus my the first original draft with my grandma was editing it, and she's like, this is way too emotional. Like, girl, <laughs> tone it down a notch. So I'm happy with how it turned out, but I think that there's just a lot that we can unpack and that we yeah. spoke about. As I just said, that this was not passed for publishing, and I spoke about free speech. I think for the first thing that we should talk about is free speech and what the line is and drawing the line for free speech in general. 
I actually personally have a very, very high tolerance. I don't think that's the right word, but I think free speech encompasses a lot of things. And I think it does encompass hate speech. I know that's probably not what people are expecting me to say, mm-hmm. um, but I've said this, for, I've thought this for years at this point that that rallies that I personally find unconscionable <laughs> and um, ideologies that I find to be reproachable should be allowed to be expressed under free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I while well, it sickens me to my core <laughs> to see something like this happen, I have no problem saying that the Nazi flag, for example, should be allowed to be flown in the United States of America under uh, protect and is protected by the First Amendment. I, I, I genuinely think that. And this is where the line gets a little tricky: is when the speech that somebody's promoting, it's often hate speech, mm-hmm. um, incites violence. Now. Yeah. That's the tricky issue, yeah. you know, because like, who, who is that really on? Like, if I say something that seems pretty aggressive mm-hmm. and hateful, but I don't act on it, but my words encourage somebody else to do something, mm-hmm. say, for example, the president of the United States saying let's storm the Capitol and then a bunch of people did it, <laughs> for example, <laughs> um, I don't like that's that's where it's tricky. But I, yeah. but I think that hate speech is free speech and should be tech, should be protected under the First Amendment. I do think that. Why do you think that? I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah. As long as it's not putting anybody in harm's way directly, mm-hmm. I, I think it's absolutely um, protected under free speech. Mm-hmm. This is something that was in, that I thought about a lot was when we were putting up the kidnap posters, mm-hmm. and one, it was just so frustrating to me when people would write them down, and it just like boiled my blood because I'm like, it's just it's innocent civilians that you're ripping down and everything like that. That's that's one thing, but it would also equally boil my blood when I would walk by a poster that was advocating for is like for Palestinian pro-Palestinian marches and saying that Israel is an apartheid and here's why and all of these things and I obviously my gut instinct is like I want to rip that down like I don't want anyone else to see this because it's dangerous mm-hmm. but at the same time just like I don't want anyone to rip down my poster I'm not going to do the same to someone else's and that's that was like a huge moral dilemma I was having because I I know a lot of people who immediately were like yeah just rip it down but then I'm like but what about there's just like a bit of hypocrisy in that you know absolutely there's hypocrisy in that and I think that's a lot of what's going on right now just and like we can get into in all the ways that it manifests but I think yeah like hypocrisy is a big part of it I think people are having a hard time seeing all angles of the issue yeah which is true for everything yeah I think it's becoming more apparent now yeah Do you, do you think there is a way to, this is just completely off topic, but like, mm-hmm. do you think there is a way to genuinely see it from all different angles? I think that your life experiences are not going to allow you to have an equal view. Is there a way to even do that? I mean, I think to a certain extent, yeah. Like you said, you're never going to really understand where anybody else is coming from just because you're limited by your experience and not, not and, and you just, you, you literally haven't been in their shoes. And yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to say that you can imagine yourself in their shoes, but to really understand what they're thinking, 100%, probably not. But I think you can, I think, I do think that you can reach a certain level of understanding that is good enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That's what I think. Yeah. I think that this entire, the whole free speech, especially now as I'm getting to know journalism a little bit more is why it's also so frustrating because mm-hmm. I think that this is something that in the journalism school, this is what is hung up is the, is the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that is so highly contested now and there's so many questions like I don't even know, I, I genuinely don't know where I stand in terms of that because to me, flying around the Nazi flag is a bit not it's pushing it 
it's definitely <laughs> pushing the line. Let's just say that. It's definitely pushing the boundary, but I don't know whether or not, like, how do you draw the line? It's so dangerous. Also, because yeah. in the past, I feel like we've, as a society, have drawn a line, a strict line, more on the right, the right extremists, and let's say KKK or Nazi. Like, you know, yes. it's definitely not good, <laughs> but now there's... It's coming from the other side and it's the far left. And so it's just an interesting way that like that as a society, we're handling both sides. And I think that that's what we're hearing a lot of backlash from is from the far left. I like any kind of strong hateful ideology. I think I've always found it problematic to say, oh, it's coming from the far right and it's coming from the far left. Yeah. I think people kind of hide behind like that political binary. Yeah in order to like justify or mm-hmm. people are identifying with a certain side of the political political spectrum yeah and then that's just that's just their mask for really their hateful ideology yeah like you can say like oh the kkk is on the far right and um i don't know pro hamas stuff protest <laughs> and whatever people who support hamas like they're on the far left but like it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the yeah. political ideology of the right or the left I think it's like, okay, these are hate groups. No, they're extreme. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not even extreme. Like, I wouldn't say that the KKK is extremely politically conservative. Mm-hmm. I would say it's its own kind of thing. It's like a hate, it's just a hateful group. Yeah. Like, it's you're saying that it's not rooted in any of the political part, yeah. the, the, the party's identities or beliefs. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no, that's Not fair. even the party, but like the, the actual, like, not, I'm not saying like Republican, Democrat, I'm saying like, Conservative, liberal, like the yeah, you know, you know the chart. Yeah, 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 yeah I know yeah, the yeah, chart. Yeah, but I, I don't. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm not not a political person, but I don't. I'm not. I don't think too deeply. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay, that's not true either. I keep. I keep retracting <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, I don't know a ton about the ins and outs of political. Yeah. Things. <laughs> that's fair. No, I think that the reason I say that is. Because I, I've had this experience, and I'm sure you can relate, as we've talked about it before, but it's it's so hard when you, like, party politics and identifying with, like, certain beliefs, and then you feel like you have to, there's just, there's not any room to kind of agree with other beliefs, so... I know that my dad used to say like he's he's let's say like fiscally right and then socially left and it's a classic (laughs) always but in general like I feel like now there's been more of a divide in general where it's like you have to identify with one in order to maintain a certain identity and with that identity and like with that group is certain beliefs that you have you kind of take on without even thinking if that makes sense and I think that with this is something that's just been a huge, at least from like what people I'm seeing, and this is another point that I wanted to talk about is performative activism. Yeah. When people, I've seen this with a person that I know who I know that she has no, I, I know that she doesn't have such a connection to what's going on right now, mm-hmm. but I also see her posting a lot of things that mm-hmm. are completely anti-Israel and everything like that just because I know that that's what she typically believes in and the people that she aligns with, that's what they believe in. So I think that that's where the dangerous line between in activism and performative activism is like who's allowed to actually believe certain things and what like what grounds. Right. I think that's absolutely true. And I've also been... Like, we've talked about it a bunch, but, like, I've also found myself seeing a lot of people that I know that are of the political left. Mm-hmm. And with that, apparently, automatically means that you're an anti-Zionist. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Which is crazy. Like, I just, like, um, you know. And, like, I, <laughs> and I kind of always about? knew it deep down. No, like, I always knew it deep down because, like, I, I'm also of the political left, you could say. Um, <laughs> and I kind of always knew... 
like I, I always had like this inkling in the back of my head, and I, I don't know. It was like I get, I thought, it, I thought it was some kind of like being jaded. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I agree with all these like liberal and progressive politics and everything. But at the end of the day, I know that there's going to be like a day of reckoning where it's like, okay, we disagree on this one thing, and I know exactly what that one thing is going to be. Yeah. And that day happened. <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> but but yeah, it's like crazy how the. How automatically, well, not automatically, because I will say that it's not, it's not true for everybody. I've had some really good conversations with people who are also pretty politically progressive mm-hmm. um, that I've also not been like automatically anti-Zionist and, mm-hmm. um, and the occupation. Well, no, okay. We're going to get into like the terminology of, of things later. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I'm just going to say anti-Zionist for now. <laughs> that's um, a fair term. <laughs> no, I think, no, I think that's the best one. And I think because that's, that's really the root of the problem. But anyways, um... Yeah, so I'm not going to say it's 100% of people and it's, that it's 100% of the time, but I really, it's a pattern that I've found mm-hmm. and it's really upsetting and disturbing. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. For a second at the beginning when all of this was happening and I saw that I saw that people that I typically agree with don't agree with me on this mm-hmm. and it starts to make you doubt on one, first of all, I know that I believe in this certain thing and I know that I believe that I believe in Zionism and I believe in Israel's right to defend herself mm-hmm. and that's what I believe in. And then I also believe in, I believe in LGBTQ rights and I believe right. in all these other, let's say more left views in quote air quotes. <laughs> but then people are disagreeing with me and then it feels like when you're being kind of like outcast from the group, right. but also why is that, why does it work like that? Right. I have to say um, a couple of things on that. I was in Israel recently. I was there about a week ago and I was talking to some people who live there mm-hmm. who were talking about like the same phenomenon that's, ha- that's happened over there, except essentially, not, not all, but essentially all of Israel's political left agrees with most of Israel's actions in, in, in response to October 7th. Yeah. And, and like, that's to be expected because they're actually, they're living it and they're like, hey, we want to defend ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, they, they haven't had that issue there. Yeah. Like the, the, in the same way that we have we have had here politically, but they what I have heard from Israelis is that internationally they feel they've the same way that I guess you and I have felt mm-hmm. abandoned by the left. Yeah, like I I mean, is it would you say that's a fair description? Like, no, like, a thousand like, percent. Right, so they feel the same way about the international community. progressive community, whereas it's not a personal basis. Yeah, no, that's the point that we'll I guess we'll dive into more later is the moral inconsistency and that's why it feels so bent it feels like you're being abandoned is because i believe in lgbtq rights you believe in lgbtq rights israel believes in lgbtq rights hamas doesn't believe in lgbtq rights like where did we go wrong right so not to sound like an ultra conservative um yeah person (laughs) but i think that Okay, so I I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify before I say anything. That yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say this first. I think it's important that people it, it's understood. I believe that intersectionality is incredibly important, mm-hmm. and that understanding the how different identities and meld to interact and meld together intersect. I guess I just like how that how that creates certain ideologies and whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly important and valuable. What I what I have a hard time understanding is, or not understanding, I think it, I think it was done to a little bit of an extreme and on a too large of a scale. Yeah. That it's kind of gotten us into this mess. It's like, oh, essentially, if you believe in the movement Black Lives Matter, yeah. which I do, then you believe that Israel's an apartheid state practice um, is committing genocide and is committing ethnic cleansing and is doing all these awful things. It's, it's yeah. like automatic. It's like if you believe one, then you have to believe the other. Yeah. Which is like 
Uh. Like what? Yeah. Like, what did, why, what does this have to do with each other? And, or if you believe in, in advocating for more civil rights for uh, people of the LGBTQIA plus community, then you also automatically believe that Israel is enter whatever you want to enter here, yeah. like doing some sort of awful thing. Yeah. I think like where, what happened that yeah. like all these things became tied up in one kind of identity? Yeah. This is something that we spoke about that people conflate social struggles and they're saying, right. I, I'm a black American. So I, and my, my ancestors have experienced slavery and I'm still feeling the effects of slavery. Right. And so I know so the, the apartheid, I get it. Like I yeah, get exactly, it, and exactly. like no, this, and that's what the buzzword is. You hear apartheid, and you're like, I like I stand with I stand with the Palestinian people because they're they're suffering from an apartheid, and that's the that's the that's the danger of intersectionality is that everyone and but it also is the whole point of intersectionality is that I, I have my everyone has different identities mm-hmm. and their different identities intersect with each other mm-hmm. and everyone has a unique experience right exactly but it's so, become automatic it's become but then it's commercialized yeah commercialized yeah. in the sense that like you have to like everyone every minority ever they all relate because they're all <laughs> minorities which is crazy because they don't. It's literally crazy, yeah. And you like, can you can try and compare. So you could totally try. I'm not saying that's that's what I think is the the fine line that gets tricky. Is you can totally try to compare. You can see compare. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no. You can like see comparisons and how the the struggles of the Palestinian people are comparable to the struggles of of Black Americans, for example. Like you can totally compare that. I think that's an absolutely valid comparison. But to say that it's one and the same. You know what? Okay, actually, I went to. <laughs> Uh, a museum in Charlotte over winter break. Mm-hmm. And the museum was the history of slavery in the United States. And it also was a museum for the history of the American prison system and the like immigration detention centers, or like is that yeah. what they're called? Like when the yeah. people, when people come to the States and then they're detained. For yeah. yeah. And it was like drawing this automatic comparison between the three of them. And yes, you can compare the three. And like, I, I understand how the 13th and the 14th Amendment didn't get rid of slavery entirely and essentially made slavery legal under the guise of prisons. I, I get that. Yeah. I, I know the history. I understand. But to automatically compare all of them and say like, oh, one is the other is the other. They're all the same. I'm like, yeah. you're, that's, you're there's no nuance. Yeah. There's no nuance. And I think it's really problematic. So it's like the same kind of thing that's going on here. It's like, hey, you can compare them. You can understand the parallels and, the, and how they line up. But they're not the same. Yeah. I think that's the, this is something that this is what it goes back to with the performative activism. And mm. this is going to sound really horrible, but like who is allowed to have an opinion and who's not? Because right. if you're in Israel and if you're experiencing it and so many of the people, so many of the people who are on the streets protesting and everything have never stepped foot in Israel. And that's okay that you're, you're allowed to be passionate right. about a certain cause and you're allowed to feel Absolutely. and talk and vocalize it. But at the same time, this situation and what's going on currently is frustrates me in the sense that I'm like people who have literally never stepped foot in Israel, which I get. Like I get why you can still have an opinion, but people who like I love the videos when people ask and people are chanting to the river from the river to the sea and and what river, what sea, and they genuinely don't don't know know, who's allowed to actually have an opinion. If the if the Israelis, if the Israeli left, and if certain people are. Everyone is backing, um, not everyone, but most people are backing what Israel is doing and Israel's reaction to Hamas and their brutal terror attacks. Mm-hmm. Then who are we to say, you know? Right. So 
I actually, I agree with you and I disagree with you. I actually find it incredibly commendable for people to take up like a call to action, whether it be protest or whatever, for something yeah. that doesn't directly affect them when they see something that they believe an injustice to be going on. I mean, yeah. I do the same thing. Like, I'm not black, but like, I totally will stand up for the for the movement of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I'm I'm not a woman, but I am a feminist. Like, yeah. so I, and I think it's incredibly, well, now I'm kind of- Commendable, yeah. No, but now that I'm saying it's commendable, I like, sounds like I'm bragging, but that's not what I like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not no, what I'm trying to say. True. Like, I, I think it's, I think, it's like what you said in your article about Hillel, like if I am not for myself, it'll be for me, but if I'm only for myself, why am I? You can't only care about things that directly affect you. Yeah. People who are facing some kind of issue, social, political, you cannot, whatever. Seeing other people who aren't experiencing that issue support support your your cause, your movement, whatever it is, is mm-hmm. so powerful and important. And when you support a cause, I'm not expecting you to be an expert on the on whatever you're supporting. I don't think you need to know the ins and outs and fundamentals of every single yeah. thing that you support. I don't. I, that would be that would be hypocritical for me to say that to, to expect that of people. But I do think that when you are, when it's something like this, or when you're saying some things that are so inflammatory, that have obviously caused a lot of uproar around yeah. the world, when you're becoming a very vocal activist for that, it is your responsibility to understand what's going on. Yeah. And especially when, let's say you, whether or not you cared about this issue before October 7th, and I, and I don't think it actually matters if you did or if you didn't. If you, like you, you know, sometimes you're inspired to join a college, join a movement because of something that happens. I think that's totally valid. Whether or not it was before or after October 7th that you took up, that you became an activist for this issue. You've noticed that if you're on a certain side of the argument that you may be being called anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. You probably have never been called anti-Semitic before. Don't you think that's a little funny? I I think about this a lot too, about people who, in the article I mentioned, that many people have only considered the conflict for the first time on October 7th, mm-hmm. and it's from a westernized lens. Mm-hmm. And that westernized lens is, that's I think it brings it back to the intersectionality, where intersectionality, and you, you're from a westernized lens, so you understand one, You've not, you don't know Israel. And I think that that's what's frust- what frustrates me. And I get that people hear about something and then you feel passionate about it. So you, you learn about it and then, you, and then you, you stand up for it. And I've never heard about Israel before this, but I think there's also something to say that it's like, you can't just like look at this context in isolation. Mm-hmm. And like, then you go back a certain amount of years and people will look at, they'll go 75 years back and say, hey, look, Israel did this for, and for 75 years. And like, this is why, this is just a reaction. It gets complicated with context. Mm-hmm. And it gets complicated when you look at it from a westernized lens where it's completely different. Like, this is the Middle East we're talking about. Like, this is right, not... This isn't Europe. <laughs> this isn't Europe. This isn't America. It's not to say that certain things can and can't fly, but you have to understand that it's a different culture entirely. It's a completely different culture yeah. and a completely different world. And I don't... I feel like it sounds horrible to say that, like, people who have never stepped foot there don't understand because that's not fair to say. Right. But you don't. And, like, I don't fully understand it because I've never been in certain places where people are experiencing and I've never seen it for myself and I can admit that I don't understand that Mm -hmm. and I would like to and I want to see what people are going through but I can even living in Israel for the year like you don't see the full extent of it but I can tell you enough that people who don't even know the river and the sea they won't be able to tell you because there's a certain this is something that was also frustrating is like there's there's a culture around and I think that it's coming from a biased perspective as a Jew who loves Israel and Zionism and rah 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 but there's something to say about you have to see the culture for itself before you 
make these crazy claims about Israelis and mm-hmm. the Jewish state and even Palestinians who are under Hamas regime. Like, yeah. you know. In addition to what you said, that people are coming at this issue and they've already made their really, really hardline, strong opinions about what about the issue when they yeah. just heard about it the first time. Or even if they have, again, even if they haven't heard about it for the first time. People who are making these arguments don't understand Israel. That's true. And I think they actually don't understand Palestine either. I think, not, and again, not everybody. I think that would be unfair to say it's everybody, but I think a lot of people don't understand the culture, mm-hmm. don't understand a lot of the history, yeah. and don't understand the, the national story of Palestinian people and how that compares with the Israeli national story and yeah. the, the history between the two. I think a lot of people don't know it. It's important to, to speak up for an issue that you find important. And if you see, if you hear about the oppression of a certain group of people and you say, hey, I, don't, I think that's a bad thing, I'm going to stand up for that. That's good. And you start, you know, chanting these chants and saying these things and having these beliefs. But all of a sudden you, you hear you're being called an anti-Semite or the things that you're saying are anti-Semitic and mm-hmm. are advocating for genocide of Jewish people, which mm-hmm. I don't agree with. I don't think that you agree with. Mm-hmm. I think you need to take a step back and think like, okay, maybe I need to learn more about this issue. Yeah. People are getting really caught up in the heat of the moment. And they're not really understanding everything that they're supporting and fighting for. Yeah. And you don't need to understand 100% every single facet of the issue of every single thing that you believe in. Because that's insane. And no one does. Nobody does. I, I, I don't. I, I have opinions, but like, and I, and I have beliefs and I have hard-line beliefs that I think are absolutely true. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm fully an expert on every single thing that I believe <laughs> in and I'm unwilling to change my views on them. I, I think that's insane. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Maybe this is a question that I keep dabbling in and obsessing over and it, this goes back to it again and I'll kind of just put it to sleep about this just because it's gonna I can keep going into circles about it but like I'm putting in air quotes who is allowed to have right. to fight for these things and like seeing that like you said it's important it's nice to know that people who don't necessarily they're not Jewish they don't they're not listening the they don't have a stake in the game and they're they're supporting you that's that's incredible and it, it feels nice to have it's be supported allies. it's important. You, important you need allies but at the same time when it's a dangerous game where it's like people will say harmful things and this goes on this comes from pro-palestine side and this comes from the pro-israel side when you don't know what you're saying mm-hmm. and it's harmful to another group and it's it's again free speech calling mm-hmm. for certain things and maybe suggesting certain ideas that's when it's so dangerous and that's why it's frustrating when i see that i i had a friend who i like she was one of the first friends i had at uf and i was so excited because i'm like me and her we get each other like i'm so happy to have her <laughs> I think I probably told you about it. I don't know if you have, but I think I had the same story happen to me. Yeah, I know. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of us where I just was like really happy to have a friend who like I agree with. We had a good time. We would talk about things and like we would agree on whatever. Then October 7th rolls around and I had, I've had some friends who don't necessarily agree with me and I know that they've are let's say pro-Palestine, but they still reach out to me because they know it's important to me and they know it's important to my family. And at the end of the day, that's what matters is the fact that like you can have different beliefs, but reaching out to me, I will always remember the people who you reach out to me and tell me that I hope I'm doing well. I hope your family's doing well. Yeah, for sure. That's what matters. That's totally what matters. Yeah. And this and this girl starts posting. She never reached out to me, and like we were friends and we would hang out a lot. And she then starts posting stuff about humanitarian aid in Gaza and these pro-Palestine infographics, which I was just a bit like, 
I think it was more hurtful that it was like you shut me out and you you're not accepting the fact that like we can have different beliefs and we come from different places. Yeah. And also because she like she's not Jewish, she's I'm not gonna say her ethnicity, but she's not Jewish and I wanted to understand her culture more and like I remember we had like long conversations about like she would she like knew stuff about Judaism and she knew stuff about kosher. Like I remember like she once like almost gave me a slice of pizza and she's like, Oh, it might not be kosher. I'm like I was like, how do you know about that? Like, I didn't tell you about that. And then, like, I wanted to learn more about her culture. And then and then this happens. And then it makes you think, like, how much do... Do we really understand each other? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really scary. And I think this comes... And this it transitions into the next thing I want to talk about is the role of social media with activism. Because I think it's a completely different ballgame now. It's totally... It's really, I was going to say, it's really... It's a different game. Yeah, it's like you were saying about infographics. It's really easy to make an infographic. And yeah. I've seen a lot of videos. I've seen a lot of videos of people giving an unbiased, objective <laughs> history of <laughs> Palestine. And I, I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't true. Yeah. Like the things they're saying are like infactual. Yeah. Unfactual. Non-factual. They're not real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever like, they are. No, it's 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 crazy. And like again, same thing on 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 the other side. It's like people like I I it bothers me so much when you have people coming from the the other side that are saying like oh Palestinian people, there's no such thing as a Palestinian identity. The Palestinian people have no right to the land. Yeah, that's equally like, as crazy. It's like it's are you you're, you don't you don't get it. Like that's a different conversation about about whatever. That's a different conversation. But social media activism. It's really easy to make an infographic. It's even easier to share an infographic that you saw. And I actually, I posted on my Instagram story in the middle of October because I never post on my Instagram story. I never post on my Instagram story. Because I saw a lot of people posting things that really, it was like hateful, unfactual rhetoric that was just like, it was disturbing to see so yeah. much of it on my feed. And I, I was like, okay, I need to post something. So one of my really good friends, he's been writing nonstop since the start of the war. He's a, he's he's an incredibly talented writer, incredibly talented. And he's been writing nonstop about it. And we've had a lot of conversations about it in the past, before and since October 7th. And he was talking about the, the specific thing that I reposted that he, that he wrote was about why comparisons to the Holocaust or comparisons of what Israel is doing right now to the Holocaust is inherently anti-Semitic and problematic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I think that really gets the point across about like some of the rhetoric that's being shared. Yeah. And I really hope that people understand that. And I posted it on my story and I was like a little nervous because again, I never posted my story. And I was like seeing so much crap on social media that I was like, yeah. I, can't, I can't just sit back and, and let the people post this. Yeah. So I hope we got my point across. I don't know if it did. I also had um, a long conversation with some of my friends about the whole issue that let's just say we disagree. <laughs> To put it lightly. Uh, to put it lightly. Let's just say we disagree. I had a long conversation with them about it. And it's just about like the things that I saw them posting. And again, it just comes down to it's really easy to post something. Yeah. It is very easy to post something. And it's very easy to just very easy to find infographics that are pretty and look correct. Look factually accurate, but mm-hmm. are not. That, that just reminded me, this is completely off topic of social media. But again, once again, this entire conflict has made me contemplate having different views from someone and how important it is in a relationship yeah because like i said with this girl i like had a great friendship with her we agreed on many things but then the second that it came down to this she was posting all these pro-palestine these pro-palestine posts and she also never reached out to me Mm -hmm. and 
this conflict is something that is deep rooted in my identity and it's something that's deep rooted in many people's identity and identities and what's scary is that I have a hard time finding a line and I know that that's why right after this happened that the only place I felt like I could be with is the Jewish community I was like I don't want to it feels like unsafe to talk to anyone outside of it just because of the fact that one nobody gets it the same way that your the Jewish community will get the, the Jews and the Palestinian community will get the Palestinians and also so many people are denying our I think it all of everyone's true colors are coming out I don't know if it's people's true colors or if this is kind of just yeah bandwagon parroting that's also the thing is parroting like that's what so many you see at so many protests is people just like spitting back saying whatever they saying whatever they hear they have no idea what a part like they have no idea how harmful it is to to say that it's oppression and apartheid and and what are, what are the colonizers genocide, genocide like it's just so scary because it's like with people who don't necessarily who believe all those things like this is me this is my family and this these are my people and this is what i believe in and i don't know i thank god besides for this girl i haven't spoken to her since because she never reached out and and then and that just it just naturally like we found her fizzled out so it was not like a conversation that i had to have i don't know if it's better or worse that i didn't have to have that conversation so when you talk about like core hardline beliefs that you have and like where you draw the line of like okay this is what i believe in and i can't tolerate like i can't not tolerate i can't be friends with or be close with have a strong relationship with somebody who doesn't also believe this thing yeah so so i did have that conversation you're saying you like you didn't have that conversation with your friend yeah i did have that conversation and some one of the things that i said was zionism is maybe the only thing in the entire world that I 100% believe in and will not be swayed from. Yeah. I want to see the exact wording that I wrote. Yeah, go for it. I said, I also feel that you may not fully grasp the importance of Israel and the place it has in my heart as a Jewish person and for all Jewish people. I am and always will be a Zionist. Zionism is probably the only thing in the world that I am 100% sure of. It is one of my strongest convictions. I fear that many don't understand what it means, though. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. And I think it's true. I think it's maybe the only thing in the world that I 100% is like, it's, it's, a, it's a conviction. It's like, yeah. I, I can't, it's not gonna, I can't get rid of it. Yeah. And that's my line, I yeah. think, is one. And, and also, like I, like I said, I had the conversation with my friends. It's because I said, there, it, was, it was some of my really, really, really close friends. And I said, I can, I can handle it. When it's coming from anybody else, when it's people that I'm not close with, people that I don't care about, I can say whatever nonsense they want to say about the issue. I don't, whatever. But when it's my friends, I can't tolerate it. Yeah. Just like you said, unfortunately, I found myself at a lack of non-Jewish friends yeah. for a time. I'm like, nobody else gets it. Nobody else gets it. And it's, it's exactly like you said. Like I was, And then it was also upsetting because like I feel like even people in the Jewish community, many people in the Jewish community don't get it either. And that's not even that they don't get the other side. They don't. They don't. They can't see any any kind of other opinion. They don't have any sympathy for the side. Besides, for that, I don't think they fully have their heads wrapped around like what Zionism means. Yeah. They're just like yeah, you, you know, Israel. Your Matzah. Your Jewish. Yay. Blue and white. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Okay. It's like great. I think I feel like you might not also get, it. but I just it was safe. It was comfortable. It was easy, and. It was upsetting that I had to, like, that I, 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 that, that everything that everybody was telling me my entire life was true. 
Yeah. It sucks when it's like it. What happened on October 7th was like beyond, beyond words. It was very interesting that it happened at least at the beginning of when I was making friends mm -hmm. here because I think it was, it was a way for me to kind of, I don't want to say weed out people, but <laughs> realize what's actually important to me and yeah. form relationships that are actually important to me rather than being friends with people. And I completely agree with you that that's something that is that's entirely tied to my identity and it's you- It's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable and you being an anti-Zionist is you being like yeah. anti-me. Yeah. And that's what's so... That's it's like the only thing. For me, I'm saying for me, it's like the only thing. No, that's what is so hard to kind of... I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but for me, when I was friends with this girl, and I'm sure you thought about this because you had much... It seems that you have had much deeper relationships with m many people than I had with this one girl But regarding this. But what really bothered me was kind of like, what does she actually think? What does she actually think this whole time? Yeah. Because as a Jew, like, it's... When people are now outwardly saying all these things, it's like they're coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, it's like it's like you're. This is what I'm saying. Is like people are showing their true colors. It was where it's there like, all along, and it's like, what did it take for it to come out? Kind of thing. Yeah, no, exactly, and that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's it is terrifying. It is, and it, but it's like I said at the beginning. It's like yeah, for my entire life, I've identified um, as a liberal progressive leftist, and yes, I don't fully know the nuances and what each of those things mean and how they're different from each other. Yeah, but yeah, I've. I, I, yes, I yeah. have always identified with the left, but I always knew, always knew that at some point I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a problem, me, yeah. me and the left. <laughs> and me and the left. No, no, no. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's not. It ain't gonna last. Yeah. I, I always knew that. I always knew that, and I was like hoping that I wasn't gonna be proven right. Yeah. But I was. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I am because, like you said, it's like now you kind of see where people really stand like where the line in the sand is yeah <laughs> it just really sucks i guess it kind of transitions into the last point about moral inconsistency and in general why is it that being zionist and being pro-israel means that you're a Republican. <laughs> you're a raunchy like you're a why is that it's it's because of moral inconsistency it's because like in the united states at least you know many people don't believe in beliefs they believe in a party yeah and it's annoying. party politics it's annoying it is so <laughs> but it's like and I, for me the bigger frustration comes from it's like people that are arguing for the simplest the simplest comparison to draw is like self-determination yeah and, and indigenous rights okay yeah. and i know what i'm about to say is a pretty controversial opinion but or Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, no, but like it's not not that it's like it's not even an opinion. It's a fact that the Jewish people are indigenous to Judea. Whoa, who would have <laughs> like, thought? Like it's where we're from. <laughs> we haven't been there in a long time. Well, no, we were there the whole time. But like most of us haven't been there in a long time. But it's where we're from. And believing in self-determination for indigenous people, <laughs> like if you if you don't believe that, if, if you believe that, then you believe in Zionism. Yeah, like, hate to break it to you. No, no, I'm serious. Like, and I don't want to be like, uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but like if, if you believe in self-determination for indigenous people and their indigenous <laughs> land, that's like Zionism is that. Yeah. And in the same breath, I, and, and I believe that strongly. Again, it's one of my strongest convictions. I believe that the Jewish people have every right in the world for self-determination in their indigenous homeland. In the same breath, I say the same thing about all people who are all national identities that believe in a nation, like a nation state for their people. And yes, that includes Palestinians. Yeah. Yes, it does. So when when you're arguing for indigenous rights, 
how, how can you be an anti-Zionist? You know? And again, who's arguing for indigenous rights in general? Where's it coming from? I don't really hear it from the right. I don't. No. I don't know about you. I hear it a lot from the left. I think it's a good thing to argue for indigenous rights. Yeah. But if you're arguing for them, how can you also be arguing against Zionism? Yeah. That's what I... It's so... It's, I saw this video and it was of this girl who is a Native American mm -hmm. and has some Native American ancestry. Mm -hmm. She was wearing like a headdress and she was wearing... She was wearing a lot of... Traditional clothing, yeah. Yeah. Traditional clothing. And she was saying how she stands with Palestinians because just like... Just like the Native Americans, like they were colonized and right. and it goes back to intersectionality once again. But I think also because, first of all, it's funny because I saw actually the opposite thing as well. Really? I saw, um, it was some leader, I don't, I don't know what his title is, but it was some leader of a Native American group mm -hmm. said, as an indigenous group, we believe that all indigenous groups have a right to self-determination and to defend themselves and to protect themselves in their national, in their, in their, in their national home and everything. And therefore, we unequivocally stand with Israel. Wow. I was like, yo, they get it. <laughs> yo, they like, yeah, get it. Yeah. Like, really, like, yes. And I actually think that these past four months, I felt more like a person indigenous to the Middle East than I have. Mm -hmm. Besides for that, I think it's also like it's a, a whole conversation about the issue, the issue or the the idea of indigeneity. And it's like, yeah, how far back do you want to go? Like <laughs> we could go all the way. It's like because you can because like I, of course you can like there have been Palestinian families that have been in Palestine for over fifteen hundred years. It's a long time. <laughs> It's a long time to be in a place. Yeah. And to say that those people don't have a right to stay in that place is preposterous. Yeah. It's crazy. No but, period. Like that, It's crazy to say that people like that don't have it. And even if you've been there for 200 years, or like if you have a national identity that's tied to a, a land, you deserve to be in that land. Yeah. Yeah. Period. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. Like, which is why I believe in Palestinian uh, self-determination. Absolutely. How I believe that is best manifest in lieu of the fact that I also believe in Jewish self-determination is something that I've been trying to understand for a long time now. Yeah. And again, we're not going to go into right now a one-state, two-state solution, what the borders are, yeah. what this means, Jerusalem. We're not, like, there's no need to get into all that right now. But yeah, I, I, it's it's a hefty issue that needs to be dealt with. But to say that, that one of the groups has no right to be there is preposterous. Yeah. Why are people who argue for indigenous rights and indigenous self-determination arguing against Zionism? Also, Crazy. against Zionism, but then it, this, a lot of this was about LGBTQ rights and how LGBTQ people being explicitly pro-Hamas. Yeah, that's the crazy thing for me. To advocate for Palestinian rights, and, but to totally, like that's not, I yeah. don't think that's inconsistent, but like you're saying, explicitly pro-Hamas is... Beyond. It's insane. It's, it's actually beyond. That makes like you think... Mind-boggling. How... Do they under like? No, I think people really don't get it. No, you really have to have absolutely no brain. <laughs> like that's what's so frustrating is you have to have zero brain to be an LGBTQ person and say, yeah, I'm pro Hamas. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also the same thing with it's LGBTQ rights, indigenous indigenous rights, and women's rights, democracy. Yeah. You believe in a democracy? Yeah, that's and you a democracy. Like, do you think that Hamas is some sort of like liberal democratic government? No. <laughs> and it's horrible that so many people like their argument of people who are pro Hamas is like go to Hamas like go I mean go to Gaza then go yeah. to Gaza but like genuinely like go to Gaza, Gaza and no, see and Hamas. It, but like I think the problem with that is like it's losing like and I, I agree with the argument. I agree with the argument that like yeah it's insane for people who 
advocate for all these things to be supporting Hamas. Yeah. But I think the problem with that is like you're losing, like not you, but people are losing sight of the fact that like, yeah, the Palestinian people have been subjected to living under this tyrannical rule of Hamas. Yeah. And like, it's not, yeah, yeah it, it's just, it's, a, it's sad. It's beyond. That's what this part of the article was saying about how freedom of speech and indispensable right of a democracy allows people to campaign for causes and challenge others. Armed with this right should be people with brains and hearts who <laughs> value it. And the way I wrote it originally was a lot snarkier and a bit ruder. But generally, like you have to use some logic and like use. I think it's the balance between using your brain and using logic versus and also being empathetic and understanding where. Like I, I completely disagree with pro-Israel people who are immediately say like just kill all of them just just yeah, it's get, disgusting. get it's, it's disgusting no it's horrible it's absolutely horrible and I think that that's where people lose a line is moral inconsistency stems from party politics I think yeah I think it's a good part of it I mean yeah like I, I, I again I don't know what stems from what but yeah. I think they go hand in hand for sure because I just I just don't get I genuinely like I don't when I think about it I don't understand where where everyone went so wrong and where it got so extreme, and where where everyone now has a right to say everything and anything they want, which like that's just the world we live in. And also with social media, I think it when you when you engage in certain content, and then that's just the content you keep getting, and then that's why it's there's such a polarizing divide. It's just an echo chamber of like you're yeah. It's just yeah. It, it's yeah. It's like I think party politics is a big part of it. It's like yes, if you're. If you identify with the left, then you automatically support LGBTQ uh, rights. You are a feminist. You are an anti-Zionist. You uh, <laughs> believe in free healthcare. Like you automatically believe all those things. Or it's like, well, why don't you have an underlying philosophy for yeah. yourself that like ad- that um, informs your opinions and decisions on things? Like, why does it have to be an identity? An ident- yeah. An identity with with a certain group. Yeah, I think that's what's really frustrating. Yeah, it's like because like yeah, like you say you believe in this, this, and this, but it's like no, you believe in opinions. You don't believe in philosophies. Yeah, no, that's true, because that's where that's where it all it all goes wrong when you have you have you're believing in two different you're believing in the identities and you're not believing in the ideas. Yeah, and the identities have the ideas. Yeah, and that's why there's conflicting ideas because you're not. Thinking about it. Thinking about the ideas. Yeah. And it's true on both sides. Like, if no, oh, you're on the right, then you're automatically, like, yeah. automatically. Gun loving. Yeah, you love guns and you're, I love Israel so much, yay. <laughs> yeah. Just make up your mind. Like, no. Have your own. That's, that's where I think it's really making me, not that I haven't thought critically before, but it's really making me introspect in how I, one, the, the act, the activism I feel like I've done before and evaluating what's really really important to me and how much I know about something before I speak on it because that's what's so dangerous I think it's just something I think about a lot yeah I know I think it's fair like like looking back and understanding like it's like I was saying I don't expect everybody to be an expert on all their opinions and 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 to have 100% fully thought out every single facet of what they're like I don't expect that it's unfair to expect every single person to be an expert on every single issue Mm -hmm. but I think if you're gonna be so hardline about something you have the responsibility to understand it yeah. I think that's the point I wanted to make. <laughs> that's a fair point to make. I mean, the fact that that's a bit even, you know, that's not something that comes comes to mind for some people is beyond me. Yeah, and it's and you get it you hear a lot when people are like 
it's like it's it's like you keep saying like certain phrases and certain slogans and everything that people are saying and it's like I don't they don't fully understand them and like again we can go into each one like people are saying that from the river to the sea is a call for Jewish genocide and people are saying like no that's not what it means okay that one I guess is more ambiguous so I'm not gonna touch that one but when you say intifada revolution mm-hmm. like do you know what the intifada was do you know what they were there were two do you know what, like do you like I, I really I, I I beg people who are calling for a global intifada to understand to like to, to research what it was like look up the word intifada. Yeah, no, no, it means like it, all it means is to shake off is to shaking off the the occupation shake. Okay, that's might, that might be what it means, but like it was it was a historical thing that happened. There there was the first intifada and the second intifada, and like look look into what that meant, how it, how it was actualized. And then if to say that you still call for an intifada, you're calling for violence against Jewish people. Yeah. You are. Yeah. And you have to come to terms with that. And I'll give you the pass of ignorance. One ignorance time. pass. One, no, one time. I'll give it to you one time. But you have to you have to understand what you're saying. Yeah. If you're if you're this hardlined about something. Yeah. And that's just one example, but yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. In the same breath, people calling for intifada and people calling for a ceasefire. That's also crazy. Oh my god, the ceasefire is. Do not even get me started. No, like, okay, yeah, we can we can argue about the, the 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 pros and the cons and like and and about like what a ceasefire means, what the continuing the war means, what the changing the war means. We can argue about that, but to say that you're calling for a ceasefire and also calling for a global intifada revolution, like, oh. like, <laughs> it's like I feel like you just not. Yeah, I feel like you 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 just can't understand what like, what either of those mean. Like, yeah. you, like you, you're not understanding one of them. It's parroting. Yeah, yeah. Is there any blessings you want to leave everyone with? <laughs> any happy notes? <laughs> yeah, I, I would. For all those that are... No. Oh, I can read this and then you can respond or say what you think. But yeah, that way. Okay, we can pause. And yeah. I'm just going to read the last paragraph of what I wrote again because I think that this is a nice way to end it. To maintain moral consistency when advocating for one's own identity group, it is essential to promote the same rights for safety, freedom, and dignity to others. As we continue to follow the unfolding events in the Israel-Hamas war, let us all pray that all of the Palestinian and Israeli victims of Hamas and their families find peace, safety, and healing. May they all live free of the fear of war and oppression. And may this reign of terror stop immediately and never happen again. Amen. Amen. I, yeah, I, I think I want to echo that um, to, to leave. Is that I think no matter the cause of any kind of pain or suffering and arguments about whose fault it is and why it's happening and whether mm-hmm. it's fair or just or justified, that's not important. Because at the end of the day, people... Are real people are being are victims of what is happening, and it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it ends soon, and the way that it ends is for the best for everybody and for the future. And I hope that all those who are directly affected are able to find peace, and all those who are also indirectly affected are able to find peace soon. Amen. <laughs>